Pastor Chris's podcast. But last week we started a message series about the beautiful church, Christ's physical presence on the earth. I told you Jesus shared the most beautiful truths of God's love that the world had ever known. Unfortunately, his followers have not always lived up to his ideals. We shared a little illustration last Sunday to demonstrate how we shouldn't judge Christ's message by the poor performance of some of his followers. Did you see it? Take a look. Thankfully, I got a lesson. It took about five minutes. And so I'm going to try to play a song on the saxophone. It's over. It's over. <laughs> In our day, we take for granted how comprehensively Jesus' Christian message has influenced our world. We take so much for granted. Just consider one aspect, how Jesus' teachings have found their way into our everyday conversations. We get the following expressions directly from Jesus. How often have you used one of these sayings or heard someone else use them? Salt of the earth. City on a hill, love thy neighbor, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Good Samaritan, prodigal son, blind leading the blind, a cross to bear. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Judge not, lest ye be judged. A wolf in sheep's clothing, cast the first stone. Eat, drink, and be merry. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's sign of the times go the extra mile shout it from the rooftop log in the eye and many many others we hear these expressions and we just take it for granted that they're part of conversation we sometimes even hear people we admire use these expressions and we think they come up with them on their own and we think what a great saying how insightful they are we forget that these things go di back directly to Jesus. We would not have them if it were not for Jesus. Whether or not a person is a Christian, these sayings are used so often, people forget that they come directly from Jesus. And it's not just people who speak English. These sayings are also used in French, Greek, Italian, German, Dutch, Romanian, Spanish, Swedish, Hungarian, and Russian. People all over the world are using these things that Jesus taught us. And without Jesus, we wouldn't have these expressions or the ideas that they automatically conjure up in our thinking. Now, however colorful these expressions of wisdom are, they are only minor notes in the beautiful tune that Jesus shared with us. So what is the main theme of Jesus' beautiful song? We find it in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 
2.40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with this reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus' teaching about love was revolutionary. I can't overstress this enough because after 2,000 years, we take for granted that love is the highest virtue. One is tempted to think that the world has always thought of love as Christians do, and this is not so. Prior to Christ, the great civilizations of the world did not venerate love like Jesus. Jesus lifted the commandments to love from the Jewish Torah, but these statements about love were buried among 613 other religious laws. And Jesus emphasized that we are to love not only our friends, but also our enemies. Jews of his day were astonished at Jesus' teachings about love. The main virtues for ancient Egyptians, Assyrians, Persians, Greeks, and Romans did not include love. They cherished ideals like wisdom, courage, self-discipline, and justice, but there was no place among their greatest virtues for sacrificial love. Now, this is not to say that other great civilizations did not love, but their concept of love was purely transactional. A ruler might love his people, but he was only loving them because it was in his best interest. A ruler who loved his people and did good for them would earn their loyalty, trust, and support. Ultimately, this kind of love was an effort to buy support and honor from people that he ruled. It was a transaction. Even the love between a husband and wife in ancient civilizations was primarily transactional. Marriage was a contract more about what the husband and the wife got out of the deal than it was about mutual, unconditional, sacrificial love for one another. There was, in ancient civilizations, a concept of giving charity. In other words, a rich leader might pay to have a well dug for the community or to build an expensive temple. But these were done for the sake of getting honor and fame for the donor. It was a transaction, a gift given in return for something else. Honor, fame, respect, whatever. But Jesus came along and he said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He taught us to give our gifts in secret and don't make a big deal out of it. Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only for those who do good for you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners 
do that much. Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. He said this in Luke 6, 32-36. Jesus was the first one to espouse universal, unconditional, sacrificial love. It was revolutionary. He said we should love this way because it is an imitation of God's own character. We were made in God's image and we should love the way God loves. Well, anybody can talk about love, but these were more than just words for Christ. His mission on earth was to show us this kind of love by the way he lived out this unconditional sacrificial love for all people. The ultimate expression of Jesus' love was his death on the cross for the sins of the world. As Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The love Jesus championed was ludicrous to most people in the first century. Jesus' own people, the Jews who knew about God's love from their own holy scripture that Jesus quoted, would never have thought to love their Roman overlords. They wanted God to destroy the Romans and all their enemies. People in ancient times might be willing to sacrifice their lives for someone who was worthy, maybe to die for their family or for their country or for a great leader that they truly respected. But nobody would be willing to die for their enemies or for people who were bad people or evildoers. No one would think to die for them. Jesus chose to die for sinners. Ultimately, the Christian message is that every person is a sinner and none of us is worthy of Christ's sacrificial death, but he died for us anyway. This was a whole new concept Jesus revealed to our world. Through the centuries, it has reshaped everything about the way modern people view love and sacrifice and the sacred value of every human life. This paradigm shift cannot be overstated. Jesus is the reason our world values love today. Whether or not you are a Christian or even believe God exists, Jesus changed humanity forever for the better. And Jesus did not do it alone. Jesus birthed the idea of God's universal, unconditional, sacrificial love. And he died on the cross to prove it. However, it was the church Jesus commissioned, people who believed in him and followed him and dedicated their lives to him and to his mission. The church convinced the majority of the world against all odds that Jesus' way of love is the best way of all. Now, I know the church has played many sour notes throughout history. People have often misunderstood or purposefully misused Jesus' teachings for their own selfish gain. 
But contrary to the picture an unbelieving anti-Christian world often paints, the church has gotten it right more than it has gotten it wrong. And when the church has been true to Jesus' beautiful tune, we have pushed the world to be a much better place. And many in the church, just like our Lord, gave up their lives in the effort. History is colored red with the blood of martyrs, some named but most unknown, who have gave their life to advance the cause of Christ and to teach people Christ's love. Now you can say what you want about the church, but if you cherish the greatest virtues in the modern world, one of the things you ought to say is thank you. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, a day we remember and honor the great civil rights leader. Everyone knows what King did, but don't forget that he was the Reverend Martin Luther King. MLK was a Christian. He even was named after the great 16th century church reformer, Martin Luther. King's conviction to fight for the equal treatment of black people was firmly rooted in his Christian faith that said all people are created equally in the image of God and we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. In one of King's famous sermons, Loving Your Enemies, he preached at Dexter Baptist Church. He said, Yes, it is love that will save our world and our civilization. Love even for our enemies. Now let me hasten to say that Jesus was very serious when he gave this command. He wasn't playing. He realized that it is hard to love your enemies. He realized that it is difficult to love those people who seek to defeat you, those persons who say evil things about you. He realized that it was painfully hard, pressingly hard, but he wasn't playing. And we cannot dismiss this passage as just another example of oriental hyperbole, just a sort of exaggeration to get over the point. This is a basic philosophy of all that we hear coming from the lips of our master. Because Jesus wasn't playing, because he was serious, we have the Christian and moral responsibility to seek to discover the meaning of these words and discover how we can live out his command and why we should live by his command. King's commitment to Christ, unconditional, universal, sacrificial love was so complete, he suffered beatings, imprisonment, and ultimately lost his life in service to our Lord Jesus Christ. If you remove from history Christ and his church, you do not have a Martin Luther King Jr. You do not have a motivation for nonviolent resistance that leads to dramatic social change. You do not have a civil rights movement. You do not have the abolition of slavery. You do not have equal rights for all people or equality for women. You do not even have America, a land where we believe that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What other essential virtues would the world today 
be lacking if it were not for Christ and His church who has worked for 2,000 years to spread His teaching and His love all over our world. Now, I want to close by saying that there is so much more work to do. We have not yet fully realized Christ's kingdom on earth. We who are Christians, who follow Jesus as Lord, have much work to do. And our work may include suffering. So let us pray for courage and determination. Let us pray for God's love to fill us. Because the kind of love we need to do Christ's work in this world is not natural to us. And let us pray for more laborers to join us in the vineyard because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I call out to you, you who are listening to me right now, but are still not part of Christ's church. Perhaps you feel today, Christ is calling to you and he's saying, come, follow me. And so I join his invitation. Will you join with me? Will you join with all of the faithful followers of Christ from every place in every generation who have fought the good fight to share Christ's transforming love with the broken world? In closing, I want to share with you a prayer that Martin Luther King Jr. prayed. Let this be our closing prayer. O oh God, Help us in our lives and in all our attitudes to work out this controlling force of love, the controlling power that can solve every problem that we confront in our areas. Oh, we talk about politics. We talk about problems facing our atomic civilization. Grant that all men will come together and discover that as we solve the crisis and solve these problems, the international problems, the problems of atomic energy, the problems of nuclear energy, and yes, even the race problem, let us join together in a great fellowship of love and bow down at the feet of Jesus. Give us this strong determination in the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.